0: Welcome to Seriously, the podcast from the New Statesman that takes pop culture seriously. I'm Caroline Crampton. And I'm Anna Leskovich. This week we're going to be talking awards, including all the action from the Oscars.
1: We'll also be giving out our own personal Seriously Awards to the best and worst things we've talked about on the
0: podcast this year. Hello. Welcome to the Seriously Awards special. We're delirious. (laughs) We're slightly sleepy because we've been up
1: all night to bring you this exciting Oscars roundup.
0: Yeah, it was a long awards ceremony. I mean, it's normally three hours. So for us, that's a a 1.30am start and a 4.30am finish. It went on significantly longer than that. It was, it, it was going on past five. I feel like,
1: it? yeah, definitely past five. So yeah, for all
0: non-US based people, it's a very, very late night. Obviously, the craziest thing that we have to start off by talking about is the Best Picture Award, which was the last one of the night. It was when I was feeling my most confused as it was. <laughs> uh, I think it was, yeah, it was just gone 5am. I, yeah. I feel like be- we had all been waiting like, will it be La La Land? Will it be Moonlight? And then it was La La Land. And then it was Moonlight. <laughs> <laughs> I know it was mental. So they, um,
1: what actually happened, we have, n- has now been established, was they gave the wrong envelope to the presenters. Well, this is in debate. Or is so, it? Yeah. Okay. Basically
0: Warren Beatty claims that he had Emma Stone La La Land in the envelope Emma Stone says but I had my card that said Emma Stone la la land all night so that doesn't really seem possible why would there be two cards and no one saw no one's seen the wrong card like it all seems a bit weird no one really knows what happened either way something happened
1: something went wrong it was funny I found an interview with the you know, stage managers with the Huffington Post from a few weeks ago in which they said that a mix-up like the wrong name getting called for an award is so unlikely it could never happen. <laughs> and if it did, oh we'd rectify God. it immediately. But actually, it the kerfuffle went on for over five minutes. This
0: is the problem. Like, so... The producers of La La Land, because Best Picture is awarded to producers, not like directors or any- anyone else. I think two of them had done their full spiel. Yeah. So thanks, my mom. Yeah. All of that, Jordan yeah. Jordan Horowitz had been like, "Thank you to my blue eyed, beautiful wife," which seemed like a weird thing to say given the context. And Fred Berger was like midway through doing all his great long thanks when you could see it all going on in the background. I don't know. I had no idea what was going on, but you could tell that something something I thought, wasn't right. Yeah, yeah, I thought someone had like. I don't know why I was going to, later I was going to be like, oh, someone's high heel broke or something. And they're all like well, crowding a, around a woman, like trying to be like,
1: what's, oh, what's, going on? I thought suddenly... maybe someone had take, been taken ill. Like maybe someone yeah. was a bit faint, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. yeah. So the, Emma Stone, you could see like in the top left of the shot, just like, what's going on? And yeah, and then Fred Berger just goes like, Well, we lost, by the way. So (laughs) and you're like, wait, what? And then uh, Jordan Horowitz kind of tries to save the day by being like, no, no, guys, there was a mistake. Moonlight is one big picture. This isn't a joke. Congratulations to Moonlight. Come up here, everyone from Moonlight. So he kind of handled it okay, but it was just a a complete mess.
1: Yeah, I thought Horowitz was... Quite good in yeah. the situation because he did say like delighted to give it to the guys from Moonlight
0: couldn't be it's better that can kind of do thing in that scenario right
1: Fred Verger with his like oh we were lost by the way I know he he was on mic at the time and therefore just had to like react yeah. in the instant and it is. I can't imagine what it must feel like to believe for about five minutes <laughs> that the pinnacle of your career has been reached and then realise that it was an administrative error and you have not it won. It was
0: so, I mean...
1: But then in the reverse for Barry Jenkins and the Moonlight People, they thought they'd lost.
0: I know. So... And then they hadn't and it's beautiful, but I, th- I still think it would be a horrible way to win because you'd want to get your moment and have mm. your speech properly. And...
1: and this is all anyone's talking about today and probably what this year's ceremony will be remembered for, mm. not what you wrote in your piece about the ceremony the larger point that Moonlight won
0: yeah which is mad it's mad that Moonlight won not because it's not the best film it was but because it's just so unlikely that they would recognise that I mean we know what the the makeup of the Academy is we know how they like to vote and for years it's been the same story and it it shocks me to think that Moonlight moved that many people that they were like, no, this is the best picture. It doesn't shock me because I wasn't moved by Moonlight. I absolutely was. It's just the data seems to suggest that like the old white people in the Academy are only moved by old white people movies. So yeah, absolutely.
1: And then beyond even just the race thing, you know, Barry Jenkins is a relatively young new director. Like, mm-hmm. he's only done one other feature film.
0: Which I've seen, and it is like, while well, it's great, it is clearly made on a shoestring and clearly a very, very rough first picture.
1: And Moonlight was made on a relatively small budget.
0: It's five million, wasn't it? You so. know,
1: it's not massive. Um, it's done really well at the box office, on top of that, but, you know, it was made for not very much money. And whilst it has some excellent people in it, it doesn't have like a Meryl Streep style academy bait person Mm. in it either so it didn't really have anything going for it on the traditional metrics of how films succeed but yet it has succeeded and that is a marvelous
0: thing and there can be no debate that it succeeded for anything other than its own quality no is just so fantastic yeah so it was like a complete train wreck i feel like right now i think it was robbie Collin from the telegraph who tweeted this who was like right now this feels like the absolute worst way that moonlight could have won Mm. best picture but i think in years to come it will seem just like the best because there is something quite poetic about this image of all these like white people i feel like someone thanked like made a comment about diversity being good at one point (laughs) and jordan horowitz for thanking his blue-eyed wife and whatever and then suddenly be like wait, no, (laughs) actually, the black gay film won everyone. It's like, I do think maybe in a few years, we'll look back and be like, wow, that was just a a really cool... I hope that we'll look back and be like, that was a really cool, shocking turning point in Mm. how the Oscars work. Yes. We don't know, but...
1: Yeah, and actually, aside from Moonlight winning Best Picture, there were some other really good signs Mm. that the Oscars so white thing is now behind the Academy. For instance, in the four main acting awards two went to non-white people yeah both supporting actor and actress Mm -hmm. which just even seeing the pictures of you know because that's the kind of emblematic photo of the oscars isn't it is those four people Mm -hmm. just seeing the pictures of the four of them casey affleck emma stone viola davis and Mersha ali like Mm -hmm. you're just like yes this is what it should look like
0: yeah and they i feel like I mean, Mahershala Ali's speech made me just like Mm. weep. And Viola Davis gave a really great speech as well that was just so emotional. Viola Davis made this comment in her speech as well about how when people ask her like, why did she become an actress? She says, because it's you know the only profession where you celebrate what it means to live a life. And loads of people have now tried to take that out of context. Yes, obviously there are lots of jobs that are more important or as important as being a famous actor. Like we all know that, but. There's just something in what she's saying about like taking normal people and being like, wow. Someone made a comment like, yes, doctors and nurses might not celebrate living a life because they're too busy. Like (laughs) making sure that everyone's okay and like saving lives, which I think is a good way to put it. Yeah.
1: And I think celebrate is the key word in what she's saying. She wasn't saying that other people don't you know, do extraordinary things. She was saying that what I do or what I try to do is lift up the ordinary, make it extraordinary and share it with other people. Exactly. You know, there are doctors doing extraordinary things every day, but we never find out about them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whereas she wanted to do a job and does do a job where she gets to, you know, share the minutiae of life in a really beautiful way. So
0: the f- the flip side to people like Foley Davis and Mahershala Ali winning is uh these kind of like veterans of the Academy. And there was like a little bit in Jimmy Kimmel's opening monologue about how overrated, quote, Meryl Streep is. Because obviously Donald Trump did this tweet saying that she was one of Hollywood's most overrated actresses when she made comments about how she didn't like him was it the golden globes she said something uh, yeah, about like so yeah inclusion what she said or was actually screen, very vague. Screen actors
1: guild awards i think actually, yeah, yeah
0: yeah anyway so they did this whole skit about how like overrated she is that ended with like her getting a standing ovation and her standing up and like bowing and it was very very sweet and very just like we love you meryl you're the best but it was also kind of funny f- to me because <laughs> florence foster jenkins is probably not meryl's best role and it, yeah. no other actress would get but this was like her 20th or 21st Academy Award nomination, mm-hmm. which is mad. And I'm not sure Florence Foster Jenkins is up there with some of the other uh, performances of hers. So it was kind of this weird, like, she's so overrated, lol. What a joke. Of course she isn't. But that performance kind of is pretty overrated because it got nominated for an Academy Award. Yeah, the Academy it's not great. has overrated. that film
1: another really touching moment was when john gilbert won for best film editing
0: on hacksaw ridge he's another veteran who's had like a million nominations right he is
1: he's i think this was his 20th something like that Mm -hmm. either he's i think he's had 20 unsuccessful nominations and now he finally (laughs) wins and you know i'm not normally massively interested in the technical categories i don't really know who the players for them are and stuff but you know he's i think the sense i get is that you know he's from new zealand he's worked with peter jackson for decades mm. and you know he did all of the lord of the rings films all that kind of stuff basically films that don't traditionally get rewarded mm. by the oscars but in which the role of the editor is massive paramount yeah. because of all the special effects and all of the different locations and all of that kind of stuff so yeah it's really nice that he got recognized
0: kind of a shame that it was for a mel gibson film i know oh, God, the eventual, that film. i know and we should say casey affleck winning best actor Ugh, why? When will this end? When will the, like, you know, adoring of... Horrible (laughs) end. Yeah, I mean, it's mad that sort of known abusers uh, tend to get these awards and nominations at the Oscars full stop. So it was kind of sad, but there was that great tweet... um, of a picture of Viola, Mahershala and Emma Stone and then Casey Affleck just (laughs) off into the distance with the caption, you can't sit with us. (laughs) Which is, yeah, how I feel, definitely. Um, One franchise that I was surprised by the lack of nominations for is the Harry Potter franchise apparently Mm. has never had an Oscar win before and hasn't had that many nominations either. So Fantastic Beasts, which is, I guess, technically part of the Harry Potter franchise, um, won an award for Best Costume Design, which was Colleen Atwood's win and became the first Harry Potter franchise film To win any Oscar, I mean, Colleen Atwood, I think, has won like a billion Oscars. Uh, This is her fourth, I believe. Yeah, yeah, a billion. (laughs) And yeah, she is great. She's done loads of really cool costume design stuff for like Tim Burton and and other massive movies. And in a shock win, Suicide Squad. (laughs) (laughs) Best Makeup and Hair, which is just amazing. The Oscar-winning film Suicide Squad. That is just delicious. Just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> I really hope that they start putting that on the DVDs. <laughs> They'd be mad not to. Yeah, it's great. Um, I've
1: seen some places, like The Verge, I think, reporting the Oscar ceremony with the headline, Suicide Squad just won an Oscar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is surprising enough in itself to become a clickbaity headline.
0: Amazing. It was cool to see O.J. made in America win Best Documentary Feature because that was really a TV show, but it was also when it first was announced and being screened, it was being described as like a five-hour-long documentary film. This
1: really confused me because it been... I don't know. I've seen it around places like a multi-part documentary series, yeah. which I don't necessarily think of as a feature, but I guess the Academy has complicated rules.
0: Yeah, I saw it in a, when I was on holiday in America on the TV. So mm. I it's kind of funny how... It's nice to see something win that kind of blurs those boundaries in those ways because obviously you can't win an Oscar if you're a TV show. And I think that there's the Oscars are still our most prestigious entertainment awards. Mm. And it's kind of nice to see something bridging that gap just because we are getting to a point now where obviously TV is sort of the same quality as big multi-million budget movies. And finally, I
1: just wanted to shout out to Lim Mamun Miranda and Dev Patel who brought their mums to
0: the Oscars. (laughs) Yes. It reminded me of when Matt Damon and... Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck, was it? Yeah, 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 Matt yeah. Damon, and that Ben was Affleck, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they brought their, they brought their mums like in the late nineties, early noughties. I think it was, was it the Goodwill Hunting year yeah. or something? <laughs> it was like, yeah, the year that.
1: They were a thing. They each brought their mums.
0: These two kind of heartthrobs with their middle-aged mums, which I really, really love. But this was just so adorable, right?
1: Mum stories are my favourite stories about the Oscars. Mm. One of my favourite mum stories is Emma Thompson. She took her mum to the Oscars and her mum was wearing a dress that had like a kind of cloak inbuilt into it that had a a sort of, you know, neck ribbon or something. And every single person on the red carpet stepped on this cloak and nearly choked her mum to death. And... She said that it sounds awful, but actually it was great because it meant that people like Tom Hanks and stuff were apologising to her mum, and yeah, therefore yeah. her mum got to meet all of these stars. Poor people, yeah, who were
0: like, "I'm really sorry, I nearly killed you." <laughs> what a conversation there i saw emma stone and ryan gosling talking about bringing their mums to big award ceremonies as well and i think it was emma stone was saying that her mum was like chatting to angelina jolie but like as though she'd never heard of her so she was like <laughs> saying things like so do you have kids like she knows <laughs> she 100 percent knows the names of each of her children but like and uh, yeah, i love that so much and ryan gosling said his mum came and like did like had a beehive done for her hair but it was like the year that she thought everyone was gonna be wearing a beehive, but everyone had their hair down and she was wearing this like ridiculous beehive and she felt really self conscious. So he got some I can't even remember he who got it, Meryl, Street. Her, it was was in Meryl, Meryl Street. Was it Meryl Street Meryl Street yeah. to turn to her to turn to her and be like, oh, I love I love your hair. I wish I'd done that with mine. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. So cute. Yeah. My mom Randa's mom
1: was really cute as well because I saw a red carpet interview with them where she was saying that like, you know, he's been obsessed with the Oscars his whole life, like we always watched it. Mm. And, you know, way back then I was like I'm coming with you yeah. when when you go. Yeah. I'm coming because um, <laughs> this is the first time he's ever been to the Oscars. I was wow. surprised by that, you know. So he was nominated for a song from Moana, which didn't win because City of Stars from La La Land did, which, which it, I think
0: is the worst song from La La. So do I.
1: I was kind of annoyed that Audition didn't win. Yeah, felt like it City had,
0: of Stars is so
1: lame. If it had to be a a La La Land song, it should have been Audition. Yeah. Anyway, best song, but yeah. Anyway, so Lin Manuel Miranda did not egot this no. time. Sad, sadly,
0: but. You know he will. He yeah. obviously will. Viola Davis, though, was the first black person to win both a Tony. not I didn't, she didn't quite egot because there's no, no she, Grammy. She, but she did an Emmy, Tony, and an Oscar.
1: Yeah, which for is acting. amazing.
0: It was a, a really fantastic <laughs> piece of live entertainment, and I'm so happy that Moonlight won Best mm. Picture and Best Adapted Screenplay and Mahershala Ali's win for acting. Because I, when I watched Moonlight again this weekend, I really felt the impact of his performance mm. anew because I think the film wouldn't work as well without him. He really brings something in those in that first act that carries the whole film. He has so much warmth and humanity that it like mm. just lifts what could seem like a bleak story in the opening scenes into this like very, very transcendent story. Anyway, happy? Very happy. Me too. Quite tired though. (laughs) Let's go to (laughs) bed. So now, Caroline and I are going to run through our own personal awards. Yes, it's the return of the seriously's. <laughs> I always think about that bit in Hercules, where he like, impersonates a screaming crowd by just breathing into his hand. Oh, Do yeah. you ever think about that? <laughs> so that's my screaming crowd. So yeah, we've come up with five awards each that we wanted to present to our personal highlights and maybe kind of lowlights of the last year. Do you want to kick us off, Caroline?
1: My first award is in the category... Best drama about where to park your car.
0: Oh my god! And the <laughs> award goes to
1: Louis Theroux's My Scientology movie. <laughs> Ta-da!
0: Wait, oh, that's such a good one
1: <laughs> because. I mean, I really enjoyed that film, which we talked about on Seriously 64 back in October last year. If you didn't see this film, it was Louis Theroux's attempt to make a documentary about Scientology, specifically Scientology, like in California, at the heart of Hollywood and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, he was resisted at every turn by the church. And most of the film, let's be honest, is just him trying to park his car outside the main Scientology centre and the people there trying to stop him.
0: Yeah. And it's just like, is it a public road or not a public road? It's like the big debate.
1: (laughs) Of the whole film. So, you know, a film about a a really controversial religion just boils down to can Louis Theroux put his car on the side of this road? And I just remember that you know, this doesn't get really resolved in the film. And then in the kind of post-credit text telling you, you know, where everyone in the film is now, it just says it was a public road. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. Love that. Well-deserved award. Well done, Louis.
0: Yeah, a brilliant first award.
1: So what's your first
0: one? So my first award is a personal favourite category of mine. It's close to my heart. My first award is the award for the most romantic diner scene. And I love a romantic diner scene. I feel like it's such a staple of like a really, really great romantic saga. And Carol, of course, last year had probably one of the best romantic diner scenes we've seen in a while. This year, of course, the biggest romantic movie of the year is moonlight and it does have the best romantic diner scene
1: yes oh it's so beautiful
0: it's so well done and as we talked about last week on the podcast there's so much great use of food in that movie there was a special mention to certain women which also has a very romantic diner scene between Kristen Stewart and this woman that she sort of meets in the middle of nowhere while she's doing some teaching classes but moonlight it just took the biscuit you know just so good and so dramatic and so violiny swelly. I think apart from Carol and Moonlight, I've never been
1: so on edge about two people like eating food. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> the
0: the funny thing is in that scene as well is that he you know has made he's cooked the food in the diner yeah. and like Black is eating it but he's not. Uh, in certain women too, Kristen Stewart is like eating and her her date refuses to eat and then you always see her eat in the car on the way back. Mm. It's just this like weird sort of power imbalance almost. Um, but yeah, so shout out to Moonlight for the best romantic drama, uh, best romantic diner scene. So my next award is in the category... Best Costume Change. Ugh, a hotly contested
1: category. It is indeed. And this goes to Neil Hannon of The Divine Comedy. (laughs) Your idol, your icon. Indeed. As regular listeners to the podcast will know, I am a massive fan of The Divine Comedy and Neil. It was actually also in episode 64, bizarrely. That was clearly a strong (sighs) award-winning episode that we talked about The Divine Comedy because the new album Foreverland was out back then and I had been to not one, but I believe two Uh, i
0: believe at least two (laughs) on that tour
1: and if you weren't lucky enough to get to see a divine comedy gig it had what i think of as both the most ridiculous and the most brilliant costume change i've ever seen Mm -hmm. where you know the divine comedy for all that i love them are not a massive band they're playing like medium-sized venues like town halls that kind of thing and they play like maybe eight songs most of which are old hits, a few bits from the new album. And the band gets kind of instrumental going and Neil just walks off the stage and everyone's like, is he okay? Is he going to get a drink? Does he need the loo? What is happening? (laughs) You know, and the the guys in the band are just like strumming, not looking. (laughs) It goes on for a while and the audience are like, "Mm, what's happening? People are getting their phones out, etc. Then Neil comes back on and he's just dressed as Napoleon. Amazing. Just, you know small northern irish man full (laughs) full on like frock coat breeches hat military regalia full military regalia and then he sings the song from the new album called Napoleon Complex, (laughs) but then remains
0: dressed like that for the rest of the gig. Oh my god, that is just amazing. Can I submit a a, a nomination for this category? Although it cannot win. I saw Beyonce's tour this year Mm. off the back of Lemonade and there's a bit where she like goes off and comes back on wearing a full like embroidered cape covered in snakes and fire and (laughs) and does Don't Hurt Me or Don't Hurt Yourself, sorry. That is amazing. Um, Yeah, it was really... It's something. And also, I feel like we ha- also have to shout out to Ryan Gosling's sexy firefighter in La yes. Ireland. Yes, yes, indeed you <laughs> did. Serious firefighter, sorry. Yeah, serious. <laughs> Freudian slip there from me. So um, my second award... Another very hotly contested category. It's quite a serious category. This category is for Best Betrayal, um, which I know sounds dark, but I feel like we've seen a couple of really good shows this year. So it is a joint award because I couldn't choose between my nominations. So the joint winners are season six of Girls for that spoiler alert, spoiler alert, fast forward plotline involving Jessa and Adam, which is just like something else. It's so distressing to watch. And also to Fleabag for the big reveal in Fleabag, which we discussed in episode 55 for people who want to go back and listen. Two very different shows, but both dealing with the idea that you could do terrible things to your closest friends in a really, really sad and really, really great way.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting and good that both of your your winners there are about friendship betrayals, really, mm. aren't they? they oh, are. yeah. Both of them have romantic sort of symptoms of the Mm -hmm. betrayal but the actual betrayal is between two female friends
0: yeah and I just think they both got that that kind of like both it's from both sides as well so one's that kind of like guilty I did something terrible and the other Mm -hmm. is this like whoa wait I thought you were my friend how could you do this to me both sides of those coins are obviously really interesting and heartbreaking things to explore and I thought they both did really well so sorry for people who don't like girls I know Lena Dunham is a controversial figure these days but despite myself I just loved that that whole season, it was just so good. What's your next award for, Caroline? So Light
1: relief? <laughs> yeah, a bit. So this is, yeah, this is a silly one. This is for best use of food in a TV show. Ooh. So I've made the category TV show so as to exempt Moonlight from this, because okay. we've already discussed it. Yep. And it is the frozen cheese in Motherland, <laughs> which we talked about back on episode 59. And... I think there is going to be a full series of this this year. Oh isn't it? yeah, I think so. We mentioned it in our 2017 preview actually. And but if you didn't catch the pilot episode last year, it's a BBC comedy drama I guess starring Anna Maxwell Martin as a kind of overstressed, overworked, underpaid, undersupported middle-class mum and through a series of unfortunate events she ends up in the flat of a fellow mum. You know just trying to get something to eat because the theme of the episode is that through all of her travails and trying to keep her children fed and everything she never actually gets to eat and the other mum is making I think she's making that like baked potato or something isn't she mm. and she just freezes all of her food and so she gets this block of frozen cheese out of the freezer and starts trying to grate it yeah. and it's just one of the most uncomfortable things
0: <laughs> It's really... And it ends in disaster. It ends in total disaster. But it's it's great for so many reasons that... Because it's also like a class exploration, isn't it? It and is, yeah. The it,
1: reason why the other mum keeps all her food in the freezer... Is because it enables her to, you know, shop more thriftily.
0: Yeah, and she's... I mean, it goes off, mate. Like, yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> Freeze the cheese. So, a great scene and a great piece of life advice. Yes. So, my next award is in the category of... Best Wishful Thinking. For me... There's no question about the winner. It's got to be La La Land, that final fantastical dream sequence where she fantasizes about being with Ryan Gosling for her whole life and how her life might be different if she had been. For me, that's just like great classic cinema style stuff, but it was just also so fun and so emotional. I like wept the whole way through it every time I saw it. We discussed La La Land in episode 76. If you want to go back and listen to our thoughts on that some more. But I also wanted to special mention a series of unfortunate events, which we discussed in episode 77, if you want to go back and listen. Because, massive spoiler alert for a series of unfortunate events here, but there's a great trick they pulled off in the whole of those eight episodes, which was they kept flashing back to the Baudelaire parents. And the whole time you're like, but... The Baudelaire parents are dead. This is mm. this is weird. Are they alive in this season? This is so bad. Why they can't make them alive. That completely destroys the entire thesis of a series of unfortunate events.
1: Also, one of the Baudelaire parents is Will Arnett. That <laughs> yeah. really
0: annoyed me. <laughs> yeah, so it wouldn't make sense. So you're completely frustrated and annoyed. And especially because Daniel Handler, aka Lemony Snicket, has said several times that they tried to make him do adaptations where the parents were alive and he refused. But then you slowly begin to realise that they're sort of like a fantasy dream idea of what the perfect life might be like for the Baudelaire children. And then you realise that they're actually the parents of the quagmire triplets who they meet after these eight episodes are set. So it's this whole amazing like double bluff, triple bluff thing going on. I thought that was really, really clever. So shout out to a series of unfortunate events for that.
1: I'm now going to give out a worst award oh it's that time it's that time so this is the seriously equivalent of like a razzie i guess and this is my award for worst sex scene <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my god i can't wait for this one
1: and this harks all the way back to seriously number 36 in march last year and the award goes to anomalisa
0: oh my god i just remember this sex scene it like gives me the creeps just it's thinking so about horrible. it horrible
1: so anomalisa if you didn't see it was a uh, actually really quite critically acclaimed stop motion feature film mm-hmm. about a kind of middle-aged man having a midlife crisis in a hotel essentially right man crisis man crisis and he meets this woman called lisa and he's kind of instantly obsessed with her and he calls her anoma lisa you know she's an anomaly she's so special etc mm-hmm. and they have this one night stand in the hotel and the stop-motion sex scene is grim Ugh. oh it's so horrible and what makes me even more gross about this is that in some of the reviews people were like yeah the most realistic sex scene you'll see this year is in an anomaly so but well, maybe these- like
0: realistically depressing
1: well that's what i thought it's like realistic in terms of bad sex maybe but even then oh it's just horrible <laughs> yeah
0: <So>. <laughs> <laughs> um I quite liked Anom- Anomalisa, but I would never watch it again. Do you know what I mean? Like, Same. I'm glad that experience is over and it will never be repeated. I kind of thought it was good, even though I didn't enjoy the experience. Anyway, rolling on with my next award, which is for the most intoxicatingly camp drama. We talked about this all the way back in episode 34, if you want to go and check it out. Um, so it just fit into the, the sort of eligibility criteria for the list. Which, by the way, is... We watched it since the last time we did an award special <laughs> which was Feb 8 and it goes to the people versus oj simpson oh. which i just loved so much and it was so long ago i'd completely forgotten about it when it came to doing these awards but it was just a great ridiculous show and i remember the use of the soundtrack especially it was just like a real exercise in like overblown melodrama mm-hmm. and it would just be a really like fuck you moment when like a particular <laughs> song came on and you'd be like yeah they gotcha so i loved i absolutely loved that what about your next one caroline
1: so this is actually my fifth one, isn't it?
0: Fifth and final. Fifth
1: and final is Best Performance by Zach Woods.
0: Oh, I wondered when this category was coming round. And Caroline loves Zach Woods. Zach Woods, if you've ever listened to Seriously,
1: hit <laughs> up. Yeah, so Zach Woods, if you don't know who he is, what's wrong with you? But he, I think he's probably most famous as, what's his name in the office? Gabe. As Gabe in the office. <laughs> but this... In this particular award season, the best performance gong is a tie between Ghostbusters and Silicon Valley. (laughs) So in Ghostbusters, he's only in it for like five minutes at the very beginning when he's like a kind of tour guide who gets slimed in a spooky house. And then in Silicon Valley, he plays Jared. If you want to go back and hear more about those performances, um, my love for Zach Woods, then we talk about it in episodes 51 and 78.
0: And if anyone wants to send Carolina Valentine's card as Zach Woods, it's not too late. (laughs) I would really like that. Okay, so my final award, drumroll please, Uh, is the most frustrating reveal award. Now, I feel like we've had a year of high expectations and some disappointments in the Harry Potter fandom.
1: Yeah, it's good that we're mentioning this. I feel like no awards would be complete without this
0: yeah so it was just such a big year for harry potter stuff fantastic beasts came out the cursed child came out new canon for the first time in a decade debatable but yeah (laughs) well (laughs) although i was very as listeners know excited about cursed child and ultimately very disappointed she said in a very quiet voice in case jk rowling is somewhere listening um my most frustrating reveal award goes to fantastic beasts and where to find them which we talked about in episode 69. Nice. And it's because those of you who went to see Fantastic Beasts and got to the end will know that one of the big reveals in the film is that Johnny Depp has been cast as Grindelwald. And that was depressing AF for me as a former, enormous, the biggest Johnny Depp fan in the world. And now, due to hashtag problematic instances and other stuff we won't go into on this nice, lighthearted, seriously awards podcast. I can no longer support this man. (laughs) And yeah, there he was in a Harry Potter film, which would have once been so joyous to me and was just a very sour experience because now it's like, wow, do I see the other films and support this guy? Or do I just not go see the Harry Potter canon? That doesn't seem like an option. Like it's just ugh bad. Bad stuff. Sad. Sad. It was, and I think we should say as well, like
1: the, the sort of narrative structure of the film was slightly frustrating as well not least because you knew it was going to be Johnny Depp in the end and I definitely found myself in the last like half an hour of the film being like where is he Mm. it's got to be soon where is he it
0: just it would have been great for this to be a Johnny Depp free film and it was so close to being that it's true so ultimately the most frustrating reveal of 2017 forget about uh, no. I don't know what I was going to say, Trump <laughs> or something. I'm not into politics. Who do you think I am? <laughs> We're done. Um, so
1: that's it. That's the Serious Lease. If you feel strongly that we've missed out on something, though, do let us know on social media or via email. We'd love to get your rewards for the last year as well.
0: Please send in your own personal Serious Lease. That would bring me so much joy. And we'll definitely update next week with any extras. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman.
1: If you enjoyed the show, why not subscribe to make sure you never miss another episode? We're available in all the usual places you get podcasts, including iTunes, where you could also leave us a review if you fancy.
0: Our next event, another Harry Potter quiz, is on the fourteenth of March and now sold out. But you can join the waiting list for tickets at seriouslypod.com/events.
1: Also there on the website, you can find all our back episodes plus our specials on Home Alone, Gilmore Girls, Harry Potter, Love actually and friends while you're there please do our listener survey
0: it's still open it's really helpful for
1: us if you do because then we get to know what you do and don't like about the show
0: we're available many other places on the internet including twitter facebook and tumblr we're seriously pod on all of them
1: we love getting your recommendations for things we should feature on the show or just hearing your thoughts on what we've already discussed Get in touch on social media or email us on seriouslypod at gmail.com.
0: And if you feel strongly that more pop culture needs to be taken seriously, spread the word and tell your friends and family about the podcast. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music?